0: Got a Bible? I know you got a Bible. We're going to study a couple things that we were talking about Wednesday night. Wednesday night, we were talking about some of the things that we see with the, with the eye. And we sung even a, a little song, but we won't sing it again today. Oh, we might sing it next next Wednesday night. But here in the book of Ephesians, turn into the book of Ephesians in chapter one. And Ephesians chapter one, there's some things that God tells us that He wants us to see, that He wants us to know. And you and I, after we trust Christ as our Savior, that's not the end of it. That's just the beginning. Trust in the Lord gives us eternal life. We become God's child. We're going to heaven. And if you look there in verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory. That's why salvation is by grace, that we should be to the praise of his glory. See, we we can't take any credit for salvation because we didn't do it. He deserves all the praise, the credit, because of what was done. And that's why in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 when he says, for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's because God doesn't want man to get credit because man couldn't do it. God gets the credit because only God could do it. And that's why he makes the statement that he deserves everything that's coming. Now look in verse 7 of chapter 2. I want you to see this. In verse 7 of chapter 2 it says that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. See we haven't really understood even though we know we're saved by grace to understand that. To live by grace. We stand in grace. We're under grace. Uh, All that and yet we don't fully understand it all. It's just a, a, a miracle that what God has done for us. Just to think, here you are, you are alive. And you didn't do anything to be born into this world. God created us, put us here at this time. And yet he knows everything about us before we were ever born. What we're going to do and not do. How we're going to think. How we're going to obey or disobey. And yet in spite of all of that, God loves us. That in the ages to come, he might show forth the exceeding riches of his grace. In other words, as though we were little trophies of God's grace. It reveals things about God. But now look what he says. In verse 13, In whom ye also trusted, referring to Christ in verse 12, after that ye heard the word of truth, the good news, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, the guarantee that what God has begun, God will complete. And you have the down payment. You have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within you. And then he says in Ephesians 4.30, that grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. So the body is yet to come. Until then, we've got to live here in this world. And he talks about the body of Christ. You and I. The family of God. See there in chapter 3 where he makes a statement in verse 15. He says of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We're a family. You may not have thought about it that way but we are. There's the family of God. Now we have families down here and every once in a while we like to go see our families and then we like to get away from our families. (laughs) No. But we, we, we love to see them for a while, and then we like to be home again. Isn't it wonderful to go home? Sometimes we just can't wait to get away from home, but it's so wonderful to go home. And he says, we have a family. But look what he says there in verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So God has given to us yes the indwelling Holy Spirit to strengthen the inner man. So the inner man is strengthened by the Holy Spirit that lives within us. So the Holy Spirit that lives within us is to teach us the word of God so that we will know how our heavenly Father thinks. So God has not left us alone. He's given to us the most precious thing we could ever have himself. And he wants to lead us. He wants To guide us. But he says some of God's children, they go to sleep. They go back to sleep. And live as though they're not in the family of God. They live like a lost man. Act like lost people. As though they have no hope. Now look what he says there in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2. And look what he says there in verse 12. That at that time, ye were without Christ, Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope. It's a shame that after you have trusted Christ as your Savior, to live your life as though you still have no hope. And that's where the Holy Spirit is grieved when there's so much he wants to do in you, to you, for you, through you that we don't accomplish what God has for our life. Because you see, God has made an investment. Uh, some people, they play the stock markets. That, that's fine. They're trying to, you know, make some money off of, the, of an investment. And sometimes it's up there, and then sometimes it's down here. And sometimes they, they sell at the wrong time. Sometimes they buy at the wrong time. So they can do that. And people buy land, hoping that the value will go up, and they can sell it and make a profit. And some people do the same thing with you know IRAs or you know 401ks. They they, they just invest a little money here and there, and trying to have something down the road. And uh, if uh, we don't watch it, the government's gonna steal it all. But anyway, there isn't anything really secure, guaranteed in this life. If the best guarantees of all could fall totally apart, when you start trying to say guarantee. Everybody in America, full health coverage. It's going to collapse. because who's going to pay for it? And people ain't going to do it for nothing. I remember years ago, very few people ever went to the doctors. They just tried to make it the best and hope for the best. And just think 100 years ago, there was no such thing as insurance. Now, we can't live without it. We've got to have it on our cars. We gotta have it on, We have to have liability on everything we own. Why? Because everybody's sue-happy. And if people don't take responsibility. I walk on your property and I fall and I hurt myself. I'm going to sue you. So now you've got to have insurance to cover that. And most people don't really take responsibility for their own actions. But here in Ephesians in chapter 1, I want you to see this. Look there in verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened. Being able to see what God is saying, understanding spiritual truths. See, a lot of people can have 20 vision, and you see the things of this world and maybe can see very good, very clearly. Now, as I look back in the back back there, I can, I can see Steve sitting back there. I see him. But that's because I know who he is. It's not because I can really define his face. He's just a blur in my eyes. Now, as I get closer here, I can see y'all pretty good. When I get to my Bible, I can read it clear as a bell. I don't even have to have glasses on. I can step back here and I can still read every word. But that's the physical eyes. When it comes to spiritual eyes, how well do you see? Can you see spiritual things? Can you see a God that you can't see, but can you see him providing for you and meeting your needs? Can you you see God keeping his promises? Or do you question and doubt the provisions of the Lord? Do you think that the problems of life are too big that you can't handle and it weighs you down and... You've got so many things on your shoulders. Listen, sometimes I think, you know, well, all the things that we are seeking to do, it's enough to weigh a person down because there's a, just a lot of things to do, a lot of decisions you've got to make. Well, I've told the Lord this a long time ago. I said, Lord, if, if you fail me, you, you ruin your reputation. Because I've told everybody, I'm trusting you. And if you want to let me down, that's up to you. But I'm going to tell the people that I trusted you, and then you don't come through. you have to explain that. So anyway, it takes a little pressure off of me. All I'm supposed to do is just, just faithfully follow the Lord and do what I can with what I got where I am. I think it's so hard. Anybody can do that. God requires faithfulness from every one of us. But you see, it's hard to be faithful when you can't see. I even wrote a statement down. Let me tell you what I wrote down. How you walk reveals how well you see. Don't you like that? That's simple, but it's the truth. How well you walk reveals how well you see. Because if you don't see very good, you're going to stumble and fall. Well, what does it mean to stumble and fall? It means that you fall to the desires of the flesh. It means you're making provision to fail. When you make provision for the flesh, you make provision to fail. That becomes your purpose, your plan, your goal. When you make provision, when you try to see how close you can get to the edge without going over, you're planning on going over. You're going to mess up. You always got to step back from the edge. You always got to be careful in what you're doing. That's why he says there, and I want you to see this verse. Look there in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and notice verse 15. Where are you going? Where are you going? Look at verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. Well, if you're going to walk, you ought to have a direction. You ought to know where you're going. What is the purpose of your walk? See that you walk circumspectly. As I told you before, as a long-tailed cat on a fence with barking dogs on both sides, the cat's really got to watch its step because you know what dogs like to do, and they're watching the cat, and the cat better be very careful because regardless of what side he falls on, there's a dog waiting on him, and as you walk with the Lord to keep your eyes focused on the Lord, you get your eyes off the Lord, buddy, he's hitting you with all kinds of things, and this is why it's so important. But what I want you to see here in Ephesians in chapter 5, verse 15, see then, see then. Those two words, see. But what is those two words there for? Because there's Christians that are in verse 14. Because you see, they're not approving things that are acceptable on the Lord because he's talking here in chapter 5 about the Christian and the Christian's walk. Let me just show you this here. When he makes a statement here in verse 1 he says, be therefore followers of God as dear children. Walk in love. So if you're not walking in love, you're not being a good example imitating your Heavenly Father, well you must be a, you must have fell asleep. You must be out of this world. You don't know what's going on. You're Christian, saved, yes. But then look what he says. He says there's things that ought not even be named among us. Even one time. To always watch and guard your testimony. Because as he says here in verse 3 but fornication and all uncleanness or covetous let it not be once named among you as become of saints. In other words it's, it's not fitting for a Christian to do certain things. There's things that a Christian that's dedicated to the Lord Should not do. what Because we're trophies of God's grace. I'm supposed to live as, look what God has done for me. You say, yeah, if that's what he's done for you, I don't want no part of it. Some Christians are a bad testimony. And their life, their decisions, their choices are not holy. They're not godly. And so he says, don't let it be once named among you. And then he kind of shows us that God will chasten those who Walk ungodly, because they're children of disobedience. So he says here in verse 6, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Don't do it. In other words, you can. It means a Christian can live like the lost man, make the wrong decisions, and yield to the flesh. This is why, turn back to your left again, I want you to see this. Look what he says there in verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth from now on walk not as other Gentiles walk. So that, that means there's a separation. That means that there is and should be a difference. We should not be conformed to the world. It means not to walk like the lost man walks. We're God's children. We should be different. Our attitudes ought to be different. We ought not have the same ugly, mean attitude that the world has because we understand more. Because we know regardless of what people do to us, it's so wrong and so on. God sees that. God knows. So what's the problem? Are you going to try to make everybody treat you right? Okay, what if they don't? Now what you're going to do. You're going to let somebody else control you? Well, they made me mad, so they control you. They robbed you of your joy and your peace. So you let them control you. You let them rob you. Shame on you. This is what God's talking about. You don't have to be like that. So then he says here, in verse 17, that ye henceforth walk not as the other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. In other words, living for nothing. Wasting your life. Living for the flesh. See, God, yes, he has saved us and given us the Holy Spirit to indwell us. And we should be to the praise of His glory. Now do you think God is getting glory out of your life by the things that you say, the attitude that you have? Do you really want to honor Him? Then He's watching and He's listening. So we're supposed to have the eyes of our understanding enlightened so that we can see what we're doing, how we're behaving. Don't we despise always somebody correcting us or do you really love it? Especially when somebody's correcting you and you know, hey, what about you bud? You ever heard that statement and it had nothing to do with the Lord years ago when I used to hear this, clean up your own backyard before you tell me to clean up my front yard. I think I heard that from my mom a lot of times my mom didn't know the Lord. But it was such a general statement that judge not that you be not judged. It didn't say you couldn't judge. It's just clean up your backyard first. It means get that two before out of your eye before you find the speck in somebody else's eye. Well doggie. So here in the book of Ephesians he makes this statement here because he's dealing with us as believers in verse 22. Therefore he says put off concerning the former Behavior, conversation, the old man that is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So the Holy Spirit dwells within us and I guess you could say uh, quickens our spirit so that we can understand spiritual things because the things of God are spiritually discerned. And so he has given to us the Holy Spirit to teach us the things that God wants us to know. And if we see it, what we see should determine how we walk. And that's why I wrote that statement. How you walk reveals how well you see. And how you walk, you are being judged by everybody else. People watch to see how do you handle trials and tribulations are you faithful? How do you handle a hardship? Something that really causes you a lot of grief. When things really go bad, people watch to see how do you handle it. This is why Moses prayed to the Lord and he says, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do with all these people, but if you're not going to take and help me, I would rather you just go ahead and kill me. Lest they see how bad and how wicked I really am. I don't want them to see how wretched I am. Because there's some things that happen in life that you just can't solve. You don't have all the answers to. And are you afraid of falling apart? Don't you even have within you that little desire to say, I want to be a good image of my heavenly father. And I don't want to fail him. And yet Job made this statement. That which I feared has come upon me. I don't know if he was afraid of losing his kids. Losing his wife. Losing his wealth. Losing his health. What was he afraid of? Even though he did all the right things. Maybe the Lord was... Teaching him not how far he had come, but how far he needed to go. Sometimes we think we have arrived and we're so strong, and the Lord can send things along to reveal, You haven't arrived yet, and give us some problems even later on in our life that we think, Man, I thought I knew all the answers. And then they change all the questions. And it sometimes can leave you very frustrated, in despair, because we don't have all that we need. But the eyes of our understanding is supposed to carry us through things that we can't see and can't understand. What do I do when I don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? You just stay faithful and keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I told a guy one time, well I told the kids in college, take all the right you know to do and just make a list. And just start doing everything right that you know you're supposed to do it'll become a path of righteousness. Just follow the path of right. Just keep trying to do what's right. And when you make some wrong decisions in the process of trying to do what's right, God will reveal even that to you. As it says in Philippians in chapter 3. But it's good. But notice what he said. He says here in verse 24, and that ye put on the new man, which after God has created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying and how you speak, all these things, these are things you and I are able to control. We're the one that determined these things. And so he says, Do things that build up people, edifies people, that ministers grace to the hearers, as it says in verse 29. And then in verse 30 that I mentioned a while ago, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Now, if the Holy Spirit was just a smoke, that influences me that i can't grieve smoke holy spirit is a person you have a person of the godhead living within you and he is there to enlighten your understanding so that you'll be wiser than the lost man don't you just believe that a christian dedicated to god ought to be wiser than the most intellectual lost man I would think so. Because he he doesn't live for this world, but the most intellectual lost man has to live for this. It's all he got. But we're laying up treasure in heaven because of what we believe. And we believe it because we see what he's saying. This life is temporal. And therefore, God's got some great things for us. So go back to chapter 5 and verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. And the reason is because if you don't, you will not redeem the time. You'll spend time chasing soap bubbles. And that'll leave you very, very empty. That's why he calls it the vanity of the mind. And then in verse 17, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The spiritual understanding, the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, so that you'll know what is the will of God for me, and then you seek to do it. Turn in your Bible to the book of Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians in chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four. What I want you to see is there's there's two verses here. They're very important because it kinda gives you where he's going in the whole chapter. And when he talks about Faint not because of the ministry that we've received. See there in verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. As we have received mercy. Now, when you read in Romans in chapter 12, when it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Meaning in view of what God has done for you, be not conformed to this world. Yield your bodies a living sacrifice. And he says here, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Faint not. To faint not means we don't quit. We just, we don't quit. Yet everything that can seem to go wrong, that could cause the normal man to quit, we don't quit. We just stay faithful and keep serving the Lord. But now notice what he says in verse 2. He says, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation. Now, there's a few things here that refers to the word see, but it doesn't use the word see. When he's talked about hidden things, okay, that means you can't see. When he talks about there, but by manifestation, that's a revealing, that's something you do see. And then the last part of it, I want you to see this but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience, and then here's these words, in the sight of God. Not only God wants us to see, but he wants us to know what he sees. God sees us. God sees where we are. He sees where we're going. And he wants to guide us in a proper path. He knows all the pitfalls. He knows all the things that are out there waiting. So there's many things that God has for you. He wants you to learn. But now look what he says in verse 3. If our gospel be hid, it means somebody can't see it. It is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded, it means they can't see. So those who do see are supposed to help those who can't see. Otherwise, if the blind lead the blind, they both fall in a ditch. But God has given to you and I sight so that we can help the blind. Because they can't see. They can't find God. Therefore we're supposed to find them for God. They can't find God. Therefore God wants to use us to search them out. To find them. Look what else he said. Of whom he says here. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. Unbelievers which believe not are blind. So what would the natural, I guess, contrast of that be? That if you do believe, you do see. So unbelief... You can't see belief. You can see it means there's the gospel is light so that people can see God. But look what he says. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them so that they can see they can see God. So this is why God wants people to see Jesus Christ and what he did the whole story. Because the clearer you make the story, the better they can see God. God wants people to see that he is a good God, a loving God, a compassionate God, a forgiving God. And that he will save them and give them eternal life. And when you mar the story of the gospel, then you have marred the image of the face of God himself. It's like somebody taking you know, a child's paintbrush and trying to touch up a Rembrandt or something. And so you're going to add to it. That's why the clearer the gospel, the better the image of God. So that's why the gospel of Jesus Christ and how we present it is supposed to be as untouched by man as possible so that it does not have our little additions or eliminations We don't add to it and we don't take it away. We tell the gospel story as good and as clear as we possibly can. By doing that, you're helping people to see the face of God. Look what he says. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light, Of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So when you don't tell the true story. You're marring the picture of God himself. And people don't see God. And they don't think God really loves them that much. He didn't really pay for all of my sins. And all those things. It makes a difference. And if you see that. It helps you how you live. So how you walk. Reveals how well you see. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we do thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one for being here. and We do pray especially for Mr. and Mrs. Polson. Lord, they are not doing well, and we pray that you'd heal their bodies. We love them and appreciate them. They're godly individuals, and they love this ministry. They love you. They love the people, and, and Father, they would rather be here. But we pray that you'll put your arms about them and let them know that not only do you love them, but we love them too. We appreciate them, and we just pray for a good service today. Bless in Christ's name, we pray. Amen.